September 30th, 1935. Hoover Dam is dedicated. Critics rave that it's slightly less boring than the rest of Arizona. Welcome to The Revisionists. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And we are super excited to have our guest tonight, uh, the uh, absentee father of Denver comedy, maybe. Uh, Brad Galley is here. Hello. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for being here. Of course. Uh, Zach, how are you? Uh, you know, same old. It's uh, getting into that old fall autumnal spirit, you know. <laughs> yep, that it sure <laughs> is with the, the whole rotation. The pumpkins... Of- are ripe and orange, and <laughs> Halloween around the corner, Smelling which means our annual, <laughs> our annual spooktacular is not this episode, but the next one, yeah. which I'm very much so looking forward to. So why are we talking about it this episode? <laughs> well, people need to prepare for all the frights and the fears That's they're going to be experiencing. Make sure you buy all the rubber bats you can while you listen, uh, yes. just to add to the uh, atmosphere. Adult diapers for all of the shitting you will forced do. <laughs> incontinence that will come upon you as a result of fear. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we'll also ship the podcast with a shitload of Alestra. Uh, that's a, that was the thing that made you shit a bunch, right? In the chips, Alestra. Yeah, I thought that sounds like allergy medicine. Oh, maybe something made you shit a lot. I don't know. Look it up. E. coli. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, several diseases. <laughs> some some make you shit to the point of death. Uh, I've heard. <laughs> I so I've heard. I've not. Experienced I have not experienced it. it surprisingly, yeah. So far, <laughs> knock on some wood there. Surprisingly, <laughs> yeah. I no, mean, I've seen considering your board. my eating habits. <laughs> That's true. A lot of dumpster you based. Eat like a man cuisine. who has already shat himself to death. Yeah. <laughs> There's been some close calls. There's been some close calls. <laughs> it's a fait accompli at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we do on this fucking show? Oh, uh, on this fucking show, um, we talk about a person or event from history. Uh, one of the three of us will give a real account of that person and or event. Another will give a batshit bananas crazy version of that person person or event and at the end we will vote on which becomes the true history of this bright blue marble we call the world going forward (laughs) and uh yeah the last time we talked about uh charlotte despard um a Mm -hmm. an icon for women's rights in the build-up to world war one and then an anti-war activist during world war one um, and in the end, the true history of this inspiring woman won against the story where she was a gender-swapped, inglorious bastard who killed Hitler, mostly because that's going to make our World War II segment yeah. super confusing. <laughs> if it, it's if it be- well, either confusing or very uneventful. Yeah, true. Um, but this time, we're discussing, uh, we're getting back to the men. Enough of this woman shit. We're talking about... A real man's man, maybe. I don't know anything about him. John French. (laughs) Well, that took a weirdly uh, chauvinistic turn a little bit. Uh, 
Um, you know what? Well, I'm taking the podcast in a new direction, whether you want it or not. I've, I've been I've, reading a lot of Reddit, and I've my <laughs> eyes are open, baby. <laughs> yeah, you've been on fucking Red Pill or whatever. <laughs> yes, Red Pill, the the MRA group who took their name from a woman from a film by two trans women mm-hmm. that's probably about uh, coming out as an LGBT person. <laughs> yeah. Is that what The Matrix is about? If you watch it realizing they're both trans women, which no one Maybe. knew at the time, and realize mm-hmm. this is a man who felt out of place in his normal identity and then assumed a new identity, huh. that seems like it might be about being a transgender person. That's having, interesting. Having not watched The Matrix in many years, I can actually, I can, I can see that reading of it. Uh, yeah. But this is not uh, Matrix talk. Um, this is yeah. That's our that's our closing segment that usually runs about two hours and forty five minutes. Yeah, and we do it three times, only one of which is worth listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, but Brad, you're doing the true history this time. Yeah, I said, are we doing John French because that's Charlotte Despard's brother? Is that what brought this here? That is, I mean, they're both like prominent figures. Okay. Of, of, but yeah, sort of. That's why this is the pairing. Perfect. Um, yeah, September but, is sibling month here on The Revisionists. It was mm-hmm. one of John one. French's six sisters. He was the only boy and a child. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, uh, I, listeners will recall last episode, I renamed two of his siblings. And I was like, there was probably more. Fuck it. Yeah. Uh, um, and I was doing the true history. One so. of them was inspiring and one of them was sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think I already liked Charlotte Despard more than John French. Oh, yeah. But, uh. You know, what are you going to do? Uh, but if you're all ready, Brad, take it away. I am. First, I'd like to wish a, uh, a happy birthday <laughs> to Mr. French. Born on September 28th, 1852. He would have been 165 years old today, but he died of oh. bladder cancer in 1925 at the age of 73. And, I mean, was also born 165 years ago. He was born quite a long time so ago. So probably, but, well, even without the bladder cancer, would not have made it. He maybe could have in, made it into the 40s, but, you know. <laughs> I mean, in old-timey Bible ages, that's not that long of a life. No, that's true. Methuselah looks upon this death as a tragedy. That's true, but for a yeah. guy born in the 1850s who did a lot of things in war shit, that's a long life. Yeah, that, that is true. Did a lot of dipping and ducking. And, but, uh, who, and that's uh, why context like matters. Yes, that's true. Probably what maybe got a, maybe got that bladder cancer. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> Probably wasn't going too much to his... That's not <laughs> I mean, John that's French kind of... <laughs> That's not too far off from a disease that makes you shit to death. No. I mean, it's a little different, but there's similarities. I mean, when he was in the South African War, I'm sure he wasn't thinking about getting tested (laughs) every several months like you should, but, uh... God damn it. Well, uh, we'll start with the true history. Uh, he commanded, uh, I think what he's most known for is he commanded the British Army on the Western Front in World War I between, uh, August of 1914 and December of 1915. And uh, he ended because he basically resigned under pressure at mm-hmm. that point. Uh, the battles fought under him at, I'm having a hard time pronouncing the city in Belgium. It's Y-P-R-E-S. I think it's uh, Ypres. Ypres, I believe. Ypres. Uh, yep. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's Y-P-R-E-S. It's, um, mm-hmm. So enough. it's pronounced like Ypres. Like, it sounds like an internet meme almost waiting to happen if World War Two, World War One had happened in the internet age. Oh, God, like that would be terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. That's the only thing that would have made World War One worse. <laughs> or memes. 
Yeah, more memes. Well, that's how World yeah. War Three is going to be entirely fought, oh is just God. with yeah. memes. So yeah, I think that's that famous saying, uh, uh, <laughs> if World, I know if not World which, <laughs> which, with which weapons World War Three will be fought, but World War Four will be fought with memes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, World War Four will be fought with Grumpy Cat and fucking Pepe the Frog. Just your two different types of ants throwing up different memes at each other. Everyone's got an overly conservative ant and then a liberal ant. That just, oh, I thought you oh, meant like A-N-T. Like, no, aunt. Aunt, Like yeah. the only things that would survive. Surely the minions will be the front lines. They'll just be meat for the grinder in, in yeah, that man. particular war. I mean, until the minions get class consciousness, yeah, I think that'll be... That'll be the way it pans out. Yeah, oh my god, I so hope Despicable Me 4 is about the minions <laughs> discovering Marxism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Despicable means of production. Oh, oh there we go. It. Uh, okay. That's a good one, though. Des- I like that. Despicable Mingles? That's a, that's a meme I'm way trying to do have Ingles, Despicable but... means of production. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing that the communists really do have. I mean, I don't. They have they have really good memes because I'm friends with a few communists on Facebook, and that's they really do a good job yeah, of teaching about communism through memes. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's not insufferable in the least. It's really exactly. the way it was meant to be taught. The Communist Manifesto was a good first attempt, but I think yeah. we've really refined. Yeah, <laughs> they do have a killer meme game, though. I, I won't take that away from them. But, oh God. So anyway, the battles fought under him at that Belgian place. Uh, <laughs> they were noteworthy because of how many troops that went down under his watch. 117,000, to be exact. And mm-hmm. uh, before he was uh, running the British Army, he made his bones as a soldier starting in 1874. He became famous in Britain with a uh, successful leadership of the British cavalry against the Boers, who were, I think were uh, the Dutch settlers in uh, the South African War. That lasted from like 1899 to 1902. Uh, after that, he was appointed Inspector General in 1907. Uh, one thing I noticed about John French is he had all... British people love titles, and they just kept yeah. throwing oh, titles at this dude. Yeah. First one, Inspector General in 1907, and then he was the Chief of the Imperial General Staff <laughs> in 1913. And I could have looked up what that... Is, but I just I couldn't bring myself to do it. I I was just like I couldn't bring myself to type in those words into Google. Yeah. Uh, on August twenty third of nineteen fourteen, he uh, directed the first major engagement of British troops in World War One. At the time, the Great War, uh, the German strength in that battle forced him to retreat, and uh, French intended to cover the withdrawal of uh, the French Fifth Army. And as a delaying action to this, the battle was actually deemed a success. So he started off good uh, directing these troops. But uh, he was criticized for his failure to coordinate uh, the movements of his two two corps or uh, even remain. (laughs) I'm flipping over my notebook here. Sorry. I mean, there was that moment uh, in the Charlotte Despard story where she had that diary entry that was like, I'm proud of my brother for retreating real well. Yeah, that's true. That he's was a, an excerpt. He's a classic retreater, this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was retreating, he didn't. Uh, he wasn't in touch with the other commanders of uh, the mm-hmm. other armies at the time, so he got a lot of flack for that. Uh, next battle, it was a costly battle at uh, La Coteau, France. He lost mm-hmm. his temper, and uh, he wanted to withdraw entirely from the country of France in World War One. at that mm-hmm. point. At least, uh, at the very least, what, what was the name of that river? Uh, I think the Seine River. Seine. Seine yeah. River, yeah. He wanted to withdraw his troops from there. <laughs> Uh, 
The only reason he didn't is because the British Secretary of State for War, uh, Lord Kitchener, mm-hmm. told him to stay and uh, work more closely with the French and the Belgium armies. He had... Uh, John French wasn't very good about that. He was kind of just... Yeah. He did not speak French very well. Um, no. Uh, even though, I mean, odd last name for an Englishman. Is yeah. yeah. French. Classic kind of misnomer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were actually switched at birth. Or like they peed in the same magic fountain sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. John English was often seen running around with a beret and a baguette sticking out of his sack. <laughs> Jean, Jean English. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was the commander of the, the French army. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah they, then they pulled a fucking parent trap. Yeah. <laughs> this is long, long lost brother. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then on October 19th of 1914, uh, French ordered his force increased, uh, by that time to three corps, uh, to start, uh, two branched offensive eastward, uh, that weird city in Belgium that I can't pronounce. And then, uh, the British collided with the German armies that began with an offensive of their own the next day. Uh, the bitter resistance of French's army helped prevent... So the French army's kicking ass this whole time. Mm-hmm. Not French's army. But the French We're, army. But the French army. This is a little Abbott and Costello. And not the I'm French this... mustard army, which was a private what? army at the time. I want to clarify. When you say the one you can't pronounce, are you referring to Lockatu, which I'm just going to pronounce like the Mario villain? <laughs> or are you referring to um, Yapri, Yapre, which I'm just going to remember by the joke I came up with too late. <laughs> Ye pray love. I was going to say that same God damn, damn it. God damn it. It's two killer puns so far. Mm. Ye pray love and oh, we are means of production. On fire. You guys are pun. I need to. I'll, I'll try to have one by the end of this. A good pun. Uh, we can retire. <laughs> but uh, the bitter resistance of French's army helped prevent the German forces, but uh, French's troops were nowhere to be found as they made no advancement after that. So. <laughs> They just weren't there. Uh, three more battles after that in New Chapelle in Ypres, and then Luce all produced the same uh, results from French's army. French's indecisiveness at Luce, uh that's what led to his removal, and that was in December of 1915. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have that job for too long, 15 no. months. Uh, Wait, what, the city was called Luce? Uh It was, I think, it, yeah, Luce, L-O-O-S. Yeah, something Luce. like that. Okay. These are right, way harder than a lot of the Russian words. Which are at least, like, somewhat phonetically, like, plausible. <laughs> like, these are... Belgium, what you doing? I just feel like there's a way you could turn having a battle at a city called Luz into a kind of th- uh, kind of uh, who's on first conversation <laughs> about the outcome of said battle. But yeah, I haven't like figured it out quite yet. People die. That's already what's going yes. on, like, with John French being in yeah. charge of England. Jesus English, Christ. Who's there? France and then French's armies. Who? French is World War One. The English, exactly. Yeah. But uh, he was removed after that. Uh, and then after that, French was made... This is another title that he gets. He was made a Viscount in 1916. Viscount? Viscount? A Viscount? Yeah, something like that. I cannot pronounce shit today. <laughs> I, I, I like that I this is like- just... This podcast is now just Brian correcting people's <laughs> pronunciations. Is that oh another word? It's yeah, another word I've never seen, though. It's so. a part of Born to Play, baby. Um, I, I have run into Viscount before. I, I think, you know, it's just one of those jobs that everybody in a romantic comedy always has, but you don't really know what it is. It doesn't yeah. really yeah, exist in real life. in a romantic comedy is a Viscount of something. No, I feel like I picked that up from, like, Phantom Menace. I feel like one of the 
members of the trade delegation was. Uh, yeah, that sounds like some bullshit George Lucas would come up <laughs> was with. It, was it spelled V-I-S-C-O-U-N-T? Yeah. Okay. Um, Interesting. Brian's no, been on Wikipedia a lot recently. Yeah, I've been... Look. <laughs> well, he was made a Viscount in 1916. Uh, I don't know what uh, that does either. Just another title they gave John French. Yeah. And then he became an Earl mm-hmm. in 1922. Lucky boy. Uh, <laughs> he was com- another title. He was commander in chief in the UK and then Lord Lieutenant of Ireland mm. at the same time from 1918 to 1921. Uh, that was before he became an Earl. Uh, and we'll backtrack a little bit here. In 1919, he published a book called 1914. God damn it, guys. Which I don't think, uh, enough, I don't think enough time had passed. Yeah. You can't, yeah. like, like no one wants to read about five years before. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, we get, like... And I, I, yeah, it, it would not work so well if Orwell had published a book called 1949, and it was... <laughs> yes, in, in 1953. Yeah. Oh, man, you did not disappoint. Um, and that book was just his own account of the war, mm-hmm. basically, what, yeah. uh, what he thought happened. Also, one of the things about John French um, makes him notable in the war uh, is along with a lot of the other British officers, he was a cavalry man through and through. And like, so he was very dedicated to keeping the cavalry as it existed in the 1800s in like the 19, the wars of the 1900s. And that led to a lot of unnecessary deaths uh, because machine guns were invented and barbed wire was invented and cavalry was basically useless. Uh, <laughs> but it was like, it was the, the thing that rich country people did. Uh, and so they were like, we have to keep doing this uh, because World War One is insane. That it um, was. Yeah, that was, that was all the war stuff. As far as personal life, uh, mm. he was married a couple times with his first wife, uh, Isabella Soundy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got divorced. The divorce could have ruined his career, if widely known. I guess it was frowned upon yeah. to be divorced back then. And there was a... He had an affair. He had many affairs. Um, a notable one when he was stationed in India with, like, the wife of a fellow officer. Oh, wow. Um, Piece of garbage. Yeah. Which was kind of a no-no. Uh, but, Brad, thank you. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I'm Giles. I'm Emily. And I'm Michelle. And we're the Beyond the Trope podcast. Every week, we delve into topics like pop culture, fiction writing, and other nerdy things. We feature laid-back conversations, bad puns, and in-depth interviews with authors, comic creators, and more. Find our show at beyondthetrope.com. So, John French, uh, I mean, a lot of what he did in in the war still, still stands, uh, but sort of have a uh, different take on the man. Um, John French was a strange child, uh, aloof, sweaty, uh, liked arson. Um, Mm. He he did get along with his sister Charlotte, uh, despite his aloofness. Um, But as a child, he developed an obsessive streak, um, which uh, did carry through to his adulthood. At one point... I, I I just have to say real quick, I'm, again, kind of glad we didn't go for the alternate last time, because it would be harder to tell the story if Charlotte was born in, like, yeah. <laughs> like 40 years after him. <laughs> Although that alternate was really fun. Um, 
It was. It was. It was only for logistical reasons. True. So his obsessive streak carried through to his adulthood. At one point, he wrote uh, in a letter to a fellow officer who was uh, depressed. Uh, I don't know why I said it like I didn't know what that means. Clearly, I do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you have the DSM, DSM-5 out in front of you, and you're like, what's the word? Um, uh, depre- depressed? Oedipal? Um, it would be a great switch if Wall... Fellow officer, uh, quote, I have constantly told my great pals and friends that I would like to end my life being shot while serving under you. Uh, which was also his Tinder bio. Um, um, his, uh, his first obsession as a child was rugby, uh, a.k.a. football, uh, a.k.a. Uh, field punching. Um, but in whatever British high school is called, uh, he didn't <laughs> – Hogwarts or whatever. He didn't make the team because uh, his classmates found him too horny. Um, so too he would sit – I'm sorry. you say corny or horny? Uh, horny. Um, okay. Uh, so he sat – Important uh, distinction. Yeah, just to clarify. Most uh, people cannot be both unless, so unless they are Austin Powers, well international it. man of mystery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he would watch the field punching. Uh, and one, one day he was approached by his classmate, Alan Strang. Uh, and Strang invited French to join Horse Club. Uh, which at the time was just Strang and like six horses. Um, and <laughs> French uh, quickly refocused his Not obsession. to be confused with the popular item at the time, an actual horse club. Yeah, <laughs> which was <laughs> <laughs> used as a miracle well, cure for shitty horses. They didn't uh, have Netflix yet, so they had to pass the time somehow. Yeah, and horse exactly. clubs were all the rage, of course. <laughs> God damn it! Um, uh, French quickly refocused his rugby obsession on horses. Uh, to he he would often ask his paramours uh, to eat handfuls of oats before and after sex. He was a strange person. Uh, I should add, at no point did he fuck any horses. We have no evidence of this. Um, was he also potentially Wilford Brimley? Uh. Mayhaps. I don't know, but for a guy that wanted to keep the cavalry around so much, maybe we couldn't oh. put it past him. Oh, honey, just you wait. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, so eventually he joins the cavalry, uh, but his obsession was about to become darker. Um, mm. um, so he got his first taste of murdering horses in Sudan. Uh, and after that, he was sort of hooked. Um and, yeah, I mean, uh, that's why the horse a... club was so popular. You do it once, you want to do it again. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's sort of the imp of the perverse. Um, and the Boer War rolled around, and he was celebrated for his cavalry charges. Were just, they were just a way for him to put horses in danger. Uh, he actually he fought uh, after the Boer War the army was getting together and be like, we should change the weapons cavalry has because they carried like swords and lances, uh, which even into like the 1910s. Um, and they wanted to get rid of the lance and he fought to keep the lance as a cavalry weapon, um, which he told people, 
He told people it reminded him of his penis, which was not true. Uh, he found his penis short and confounding. Really, it was to put horses in danger. So at this point, he teamed up with a man named Douglas Haig, uh, which, interestingly, if you rearrange the letters in Douglas Haig, you get Otis Tool. Um, <laughs> oh, I see. Which, okay. Yeah. Yep. I, mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> I see where this is going. Um, and... He, Spooktober uh, is next month, Brian. <laughs> uh, it's the Spooktacular. Uh, thank you. Um, I get a vote, too. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> That's true. I was just going off of precedent. Um, he did often make the statement that uh, the next war would begin with a grand cavalry charge. Um, and so World War One begins, and he's put in charge, uh, and suddenly... Statisticians back home are seeing horse death rates spike. Uh, and it was at this point that a letter arrives addressed to the Horse London Times, which was the oldest continuously operating newspaper by horses and for horses in the greater London metropolitan area. Um, and it was addressed to their star reporter, Flapjack. Uh, and it had a letter containing an elaborate code. I will say, as far as horse names go flapjack is extremely mild (laughs) i don't know if you've watched the kentucky derby but that shit gets crazy (laughs) yeah i didn't have time to get into like really fucking lavish horse names um so there was an the letter had an elaborate code which when broken said uh this is horse zodiac speaking uh i like killing horses because it is so much fun it is exactly like killing wild game in the forest and so on. It went on for pages. Um, and Horse London Times cartoonist Buttercup uh, becomes obsessed with the case. Uh, and meanwhile, French is fired because he's bad at war. Um, but he continues sending letters. Uh, and Buttercup, uh, through his obsession on the case, uh, focuses on French... Uh, mostly through circumstantial evidence. Uh, like, he wore a polo shirt. Uh, he was in the area of Europe around the time of the war. And he had a mustache. So, you know. Um, and... That does seem very circumstantial. Yeah. Um, over the course of World War One, eight million horses died. Uh, only the first million or so were John French. The rest were copycats. Um, and, uh, after he leaves the war, uh, John French gets a job in a hardware store and Buttercup tracks him down after all this years of obsession and investigation, uh, Buttercup tracks him down and walks into the hardware store and John French is just like, oh, can I help you? And Buttercup just says no. And they stare at each other for a long time. (laughs) Um, and that was later adapted into a movie. Um. And that's the story of John French, a horse Zodiac killer. Wow. Uh, um, I have not seen the film Zodiac, but I assume that's the ending. Wait, you fucking... Oh, fuck. I had just really assumed you had seen Zodiac. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. How have you not seen that? Well, it's on my to watch list. It is an am- But now I guess I can take it off. No, it involves surprisingly few horses. Uh, mm-hmm. um, fuck, I'm, I'm surprised you had not seen that. 
Shit. Uh, <laughs> well, that ruins everything. Um, listeners, before we get to judgment, um, I just want to say, if you ever want to leave us a comment or ask us a question, you can do that at revisionistpodcast.com or any of our social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, and please, please, please leave a written review of the podcast on iTunes if you can, uh, which is uh, hella helpful. Um, we are a, we are part of the Denver Podcast Network, as I mentioned on previous episodes. And uh, also, heads up, uh, there's going to be a live read in a sec. I got the text right here. Um, Denver Podcast Network is having a launch showcase party. If you are in Denver, it is October 8th at Mutiny Information Cafe at 6. Uh, it's going to be a really good time. Uh, all the shows will be doing like quick, like five or ten minute uh, sample versions of themselves a little bit. And it's going to be really fun. Uh, so check that out. Uh, one of the shows on the network is a show called Discover Weekly, uh, which is hosted by two musicians and a music nerd. And uh, each week... It's, it's like them hanging out in a record store and talking about their uh, what they're listening to this week. They each build a playlist, basically, and then uh, sort of go through and take them apart a little bit. Um, it's, it's really fun. And the, one of the great things about the show is you can listen along uh, because they release all their Spotify playlists. So you can listen along to it each time. Uh, it's basically Marxist music nerds uh, talking their playlists. So check out Discover Weekly, uh, which you can find a link to that at denverpodcast.net, or you can just go to discoverweekly.libsyn.com. Um, excuse me. Uh, and for plugs, real quick, I'm just going to say that uh, in addition to that October 8th showcase, uh, podcast showcase, um, October 5th, I'll be doing a brand new show uh, hosted by former guest uh, and future guest Christy Bukley um, called Qu uh, Queen City Companion. That is a uh, fiction story storytelling show that's going to be really, really cool, uh, which is also at Mutiny Information Cafe. So check that out on October 5th. And uh, the next nighttime tonight is October 19th. So check that out because there is... We got some out-of-town guests for that, and it's going to be really fun. But, Zach, I do believe it is judgment time. Uh, yeah. Um, so, in the case of John French, <laughs> um, the mysterious case of John French, um, I, uh, I think with the real history, I mean, he was a celebrated military man, which is all well and good, but there's a number of those throughout history, and... John French didn't strike me as an especially uh, exceptional or, or overtly memorable uh, standout figure from that group. In fact, the most interesting thing I think about him is that he is siblings with Charlotte Despard, and we covered yeah. a lot of their relationship in last week's episode. Um, but... Since we went with her real history and that relationship is not in uh, in jeopardy by accepting the alternate history, and because I truly can't decide 
if you that the fact if I'm impressed or disappointed in the fact that Brian made an elaborate World War One story that heavily featured horses and never referenced the film War Horse. Oh fuck! I, I forgot can't... about that. <laughs> God um, damn it! I had a thing. <laughs> oh, you had a okay. Um, well, Brian <laughs> fucked up his alternate history. But since uh, I don't give I don't give a fuck about the real John French, and I want Charlotte to have a more colorful uh, aside and a more contentious relationship with her brother, I'm still gonna choose this weird hodgepodge serial killer. Couldn't land on an individual one. <laughs> yeah, I did start back. with uh, Henry Lee Lucas, didn't I? Yeah, and you definitely went straight into the Zodiac after one reference to Otis Tool. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Zodiac didn't have a fucking partner, so I was like, well, fuck, I want to do this thing. Um, But, uh, yeah, I think I will go with the alternate just to, you know what, mostly to spice up Charlotte's story mm. more, than to, more than anything else. All right. Well, Zach, thank you. Yeah. Brad, thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, thank you for being here. Of course. Uh, For everyone here at The Revisionists, I'm Brian Flynn. I am Zach Powers. Have a good time. (laughs) 